0: are going to, we're kind of in this place, no real sermon series or anything, but the next couple of weeks, uh, we're just going to continue to press into this idea of of hearing the Father, uh, questions for Jesus, listening to the Holy Spirit, in terms of just following Christ. Um, Because to hear God's voice in our life, to experience His presence, Will transform your life. This this is one of the things for us as believers to, I mean, we come here on a Sunday, we're here to hear the word, to fellowship with one another. But I think all of us, I would hope all of us, uh, and if this isn't you, then that's perfectly fine, want to truly experience the presence of God in our life, to feel Him, to know Him. Um, And so I I want to, over the next couple weeks, uh, set a table, create a framework for the idea of hearing God. For some of you, you'll say like, duh, yeah, I know. And for some of you, you're like, I'd like to hear more about this. Um, because it's important for us as believers, what does it mean to hear from God, and why is that important? So when you when you read the New Testament, you see God speaking with and interacting with His people. That's what you see. As you read through the New Testament, you see uh, the living God interacting with His people. And I think it's easy for us to think that okay, well, those people were different than today's people, and that was a special time only for them. Um, but I don't think that. That's 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 really what was going on. They were actually, in fact, uh, uh, different in two ways that I would say. One, they got to walk with Jesus, who was physically alive. So they're walking with him. And then some of those people got to write the New Testament. So they were kind of different in that way. Um, But the Bible doesn't communicate that they were different type of people. God wasn't making one type of people 2,000 years ago, and now he's making different people now. They were still the same type of people. Or, and the Bible doesn't communicate that God only spoke then. Um, What we do read is that the average follower of Christ can and should hear from the Holy Spirit. That's what we read. As we look in the New Testament, it's clear that it communicates that the average follower of Christ can and should hear from the Holy Spirit experience the risen Christ and experience prophetic words, healing, and casting out demons. I mean, it is almost impossible to read the New Testament and see that these things were just a normal part of what it meant to follow Jesus. We may think that it's weird, like, oh man, that seems kind of crazy. But it is giving us a a framework for what it means to follow Christ. So, uh, for example... Um, When we read this, and I'm going to read it again, we read it earlier, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone, anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So this is just an example from the New Testament. And um, the question that I would have, does James actually expect us to pray for the sick and confess our sins to one another? So when we read this, we have to ask ourselves, does James actually have the expectation that I will receive a phone call or know someone who is sick and pray for them to be healed or to confess my sins to someone else. Does he expect me to do these things or is this some just like thing he's written down? But this is the same James that would say that faith without works is dead. This is the same guy who that's one of his strong arguments like, no, you are meant to do things. You are meant to live out your faith. This is not something you just say, I have faith. Well, he would say, show me your faith by what it is that you do. Do you have faith that God heals? Well, show me that faith by actually praying for people to be well. Um, And at the same time, if we think like, well, it was just written to a specific person. His letters addressed to the 12 scattered tribes. <clears throat> which whether or not there were actually 12 scattered tribes or not, I, I don't know. You can ask Craig, the you know, New Testament scholar. Um, but what I assume that he's saying is that it was a large group of people, to whomever, and a lot of the letters that were written were just letters that other churches would read. So it wasn't necessarily just written to one individual person. It was written to us. And when we read this, we say like, yes... This is something that he's asking us to do. So a simple Bible study tool that I'm going to share with you because I think that reading the Bible is something that is paramount to our faith. But when we read it, oftentimes it can get really, it can be confusing because you're reading an ancient document, essentially. Right? It wasn't written in English, and it wasn't written from a Western perspective. So you read it, and sometimes it can be confusing. So a very simple tool, it's just a tool, it's not the tool, is to be able to read Scripture and just ask a very couple simple questions. Right? And uh, there's two ways to look at it in terms of, is this prescriptive? Is this something that I can and should experience or pursue now? Or is this descriptive, particular to that original audience, only for them, then, and there. So it's a very simple tool. It doesn't, it's not the tool, it's just a tool. So when we read a text, we ask, is this prescriptive? Is it, is it prescribing it to me in the here and now? Or was just just something for someone that was then and there? So just a couple very simple examples. First is, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Is this prescriptive or descriptive? Prescriptive. I am meant to do this. This is for me. This is not for any one particular person. I am meant to love my enemies. And I am meant to pray for those who persecute me. In the second example, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because your stomach and your frequent illness. Is this prescriptive or descriptive? Descriptive. Okay? It's, it is descriptive of something that happened then and there. He's not saying... So I, I mean, personally myself, uh, like I, I actually had COVID here for a little bit, I didn't read Timothy and uh, go and grab a bottle of wine. I'm like, hey, this will help me out. This is descriptive of something that Paul is telling Timothy to do. Okay? Um, another example. John ten twenty seven through 29. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Is this descriptive or prescriptive? It's prescriptive. My sheep listen to my voice. Am I his sheep? I think I am. Are you his sheep? I think you are. Then I'm able to listen to his voice. This is prescribing something to me that I'm in communion with him and that he speaks to me and I should expect to hear from him. And so, very simple tool to be able to look at Scripture and say, like, okay, is this descriptive or is is this prescriptive? Uh, Because it's a very good tool to be able to say, like, okay, I think I ought to, as a believer, a follower of Christ, this is something that I should or could be doing. Now, Scripture can be descriptive and prescriptive at the same time. And so, you have this uh, event that happens in the book of Acts, and this is Pentecost. And so what we see is that the Holy Spirit falls on the early believers. And what ends up happening in the midst of this, so Jesus is gone, he's ascended... And so they're celebrating the festival of Pentecost. and so this new thing happens. And the Holy Spirit falls on all of the believers as they're in the upper room, and there's tongues of fire, and they, they start speaking in different languages. and there's tribes from all over, all over the, essentially, the surrounding areas. and they think that all these people are drunk. And so what ends up happening is is that the Holy Spirit empowers these people, to demonstrate and and love and to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God. Now, it's descriptive in that it happened then and there. It was an actual event. This is like the Pentecost event in terms of like the New Testament, in terms of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Um, But at the same time, it's prescriptive because it creates a new way of being between God and his people. That would be us. A new way to exist with God. Like God did something new. In the past, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only come on like a individual. So uh, uh, David, as he's fighting Goliath, all of these things, right? One individual. But now it's poured out onto all these people. Not special people. Not necessarily the brightest and the best. Just the average people getting together and praying and seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit is poured out onto them. And so it's prescriptive in that it's a new way that the Holy Spirit exists within believers, us. This wasn't just a then and there type of thing. And so when we read the book of Acts, what we see is the event of Pentecost spreading. So this happens to these people. They're filled with the Holy Spirit He has communion with them in this new way and then they take that, what they experienced in that moment and they go out to all the known world to them at that time and they share what it is that they experienced. They demonstrated the kingdom of God both in word and deed to all these different people and then the church is planned and all these things happen. So, um, he does all of this to accomplish his mission And so 2,000 years later, where we're at right now in Redding, California, that mission still exists. The work has not been completed. There's still work to be done. There's still need for the Holy Spirit to fill us to be able to go out and do the things of God, to be able to demonstrate the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. First off, we need to experience that, and then from that experience, then we go out and share what it is that we have experienced in our relationship with God, with other people, right? And so his mission is still to seek and save that which was lost, and to demonstrate the kingdom of God to all people. So again, this idea of God speaking to us, why it's important for us to be able to hear the voice of the Lord, uh, because... We need to experience that. Not that we need to, but that if we read the New Testament, it's a normative experience for God to interact with you in such a way. We should read it and say, like, wow, this happened. I want this to happen to me as well. Um, Last, this is uh, just my summary of it all, so you'll have to take it with a grain of salt. But if we were to take a 10,000-foot look at the New Testament, so you just read the New Testament, and you want to see, like, the big picture ideas of what it is that you're reading. Because this is really important. First off, you read through the Gospels. And don't just think this is just happenstance that they put it all together like this. You read the Gospels, and you should be able to come away and say, like, Jesus is cool. This is a big picture idea. Like, there's something about this Jesus guy. He's cool. He's cool. He's really different. The things he says are radical. Like there's just something about, I want to be by this guy, and I want to be born again because he says that I need to be born again. So when you read the Gospels, this is really like a big picture idea. Jesus is cool be born again. The next is in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit empowered people, which is the church. So, first off, you see Jesus, you're like, "Hey, Jesus is cool. I want to spend time with him. I get born again. What's after the gospels?" Then you read the book of Acts and you read the whole you see the Holy Spirit empowered people, which is the church, which is us, right? The church is not the steeple, it's the people, okay? And then what you get after that is the epistles or the letters, which essentially are the details of the new life and life with others. So when you read the epistles, that's what you're seeing, is that it's the details of this new life. Well, how do I live this out? And what are kind of the more intricate parts of this theologically? And, and we're not seeming to get along all the time. And There's conflict and there's things I need to work out with other people because if you spend time with people for any period of time, you're like you're annoying, and that person's like, you're annoying, and so then how do we live out this life together, and then last is the book of Revelation, which is kind of on its own uh, in certain ways, is we're on the winning side, so if you look at a 10,000 foot look at the New Testament, this is what we should be getting out of it. I know that for me, and this is exactly what I got out of it, man. When I read, when I look at this, I'm like, this is kind of what happened to me. I read through the way that I got saved. I living in a laundry room, high as a kite all the time, and I read through the beatitudes. And it was so real to me, I'd never read anything that was that real. The words literally felt like they were concrete. There was something to them that just seemed so, it was just, I don't know, it was so tangible. And then because I watched uh, football, you know, they always had the thing that said John 3.16. I'm like, so what, what does John 3.16 say? And then uh, it talked about being born again. And I said, Jesus, I want to be born again. In that moment, I got born again. Like, I was like, I want to be born again. I was like, all right, I'm born again. And uh, all my roommates came home, and we got high because I was born again. And um, it's not a joke. Like, we we need an excuse. We're like, yeah, let's get high. Sean's following Jesus. Um, And so over time, and, and here's the thing. When you're following Christ, there's a lot of bumps in the road. There always are. Even now for me as someone who's been following Christ for 27 years, there's still bumps in the road. Um, But I was reading the Gospels, and I kept reading them. And then I got to the book of Acts. And as I'm reading through the book of Acts, all I remember saying is, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. If this is what it means to follow Jesus, then this is what I want to do. And I haven't necessarily done all of that, but I've done similar things that have kind of looked like that, right? The context is very different. But that's what is meant to happen. That's the progression that is meant to happen. We read the Gospels. Jesus is cool. I want to be by this guy. I want to be born again. Then we read the Acts, and we're like, yo, is this what church is supposed to look like? Because the New Testament is saying, this is what church is supposed to look like. And then we read the epistles, and we're like, okay, well, it's a little bit more detail, and it gets a little bit funnier as we hang out together more often. But, again, this is what is meant to happen. So we hear from God, and then we demonstrate Jesus' goodness, word, deed, and power all over, and that God speaks, and you are uniquely created to hear from him. That's the other thing. Like, you, in the way that you're designed, are uniquely within all creation, created to be able to commune with God in a way that no other being is able to do. So how do we hear uh, him more often? That was basically my intro. So here we go. We're going to stay long today. No, I'm just joking. Um, oh, sorry. This is the book of... It uh, was the next slide I was supposed to show? Um, this comes from Tony Stoltzfus, Uh Tony and he and I were talking about this. He kind of came up with the, Jesus, the questions for Jesus. but um, And so how do we hear more from him? And this is something that Tony had written up. Ask in faith for a desire fulfilled in relationship by a rhema from a good God. I'm only going to cover the ask in faith and the, uh, for the desire fulfilled, and then Tony's going to do the last part there. Um, but essentially, how do we hear from God more often because I know for me that's something that I want I want to be able to hear from him more often Um, and so first off we have to be able to ask in faith we have to be able to know that this requires faith and so in Hebrews chapter 11 1 through 6 it says this the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living it's our handle on what we can't see The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. All of these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I think another word that I like to use for faith is trust. I trust. I trust in God. Um, I trust that he's good. I trust that he hears me. I trust that what I read in scripture is actually for me. I, I trust him. He's good. I, I hear him. When I speak to him, he hears me, even if I don't feel it in, in the moment. So first, I have to have faith that God wants to speak to me, and I have to have faith that God is speaking to me, right? It's not just enough that he wants to speak to me. He actually is speaking to me in the here and now on a regular basis. Again, back to the book of Acts. What we see in the book of Acts is that their lives were saturated in hearing from the Holy Spirit as an example In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So when we read in the book of Acts, how is it that they made decisions? What is it that, how did they know where to go? Was it just a good idea to go to this port city? Should they go here? Should they go there? You know, how did they make decisions? Where did they go? They heard the voice of God in their lives and they obeyed. That's what they did. They prayed, they worshiped, and they're like, what should we do? And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul and have them go in this place. They acted in faith and they obeyed. What if God spoke to you to your heart's desire on a regular basis? I don't think, maybe there's some folks in here that would say, I don't want that. But I think we all want that. That God would speak to us clearly. We all have questions that we're wrestling with. But when we hear a direct word from God, it truly has the power to change and transform our lives. Um, I was at the Vineyard National Conference. Well, I'll kind of back it up because it's kind of funny. A funny story. Uh, this is the pastor. Dan Motz is the pastor of the Vineyard Church up in Anchorage, Alaska. So my son, I took my son to another conference, and he ended up like befriending a couple of these girls, and they were from Alaska. These young pastor girls. And so then I go to the, this other big meeting, and Jonathan's been texting these girls for like a year, okay? And so then we sit down at this other meeting. Um, it happened in North Carolina, and Jonathan is literally sitting right next to Dan. Well, Jonathan had been texting his daughters for like a year, okay? And so they find out, and Dan's like, oh, you're Jonathan? You've been talking to my daughters? And it was hysterical. But anyways, Dan Mott's, here's the thing. Being able to have an experience with God. Again, if we look at the New Testament and we look at the book of Acts, it seems as if God breaking through into our lives in these powerful ways, it's not like an all-the-time thing, but in the life of a believer, it seems to be pretty normal. Okay? So Dan, uh, he was, we drove to the airport together, and he was telling me his story. I'm like, dude, how did you get saved? Let me hear this. And so he was telling me that he was like this hippie guy using drugs out in the middle of nowhere, which seems kind of to be a very normal vineyard pastor experience. He's camping and he's doing all these things. And so he and his girlfriend at the time, they're on this tent on a beach and they're just totally broke. They have nothing. Right. And so they're just drinking, getting high. And and, and it was Thanksgiving. And they're like, what do we do? Like it's Thanksgiving, we should actually do something. They're not believers in Christ. and And so they said, well, we should go to like some function today. At least we'll be able to get a Thanksgiving meal. That'd be cool. So they end up going to this like event, and I, I'm not sure, they might have been in Hawaii, or he might have been in Hawaii, and so he goes there, and it's all these like islander uh, folks, and so it must have been Hawaii, and they're singing all these songs, and there's this guy on stage, and he's singing songs, and nothing's really happening, just sitting there, and he's, he's tired, he's hung over, he's all burnt out, he hasn't eaten in a while, and so he said, all of a sudden, This guy started to sing a Christian song. I'd never heard this song in my whole life. And I swear the guy was staring at me just directly the whole time he was singing the song. He said, I felt so powerfully the presence of God. I felt like I was pinned to my chair and that God was singing directly to me and that I was just so taken aback by the power and the presence of God in my life. I was just like paralyzed. That moment, which kind of in certain ways sounds like the book of Acts, but several, many years later, transformed his life from being this hippie dude taking drugs, hanging out with all sorts of ladies, to now being the pastor of a church up in Anchorage, Alaska. I mean, this is one of these pivotal moments you know, right? Like Saul being knocked off his horse and, and these experiences. So again, even though some of us might think these things don't happen, they do happen. And I think they're actually, in many ways, the way in which God interacts with us. So again, this idea of faith being a necessity of our relationship with God. However, we do tend to like more concrete things. And so faith is kind of funny to us. Um, do we have faith that God is speaking to us? And if we don't have faith, are you willing to have God give you more faith? Would you be willing? Let God increase my faith that I can hear you, that I can see you, that I can experience you more. So that we can hear from him about the desires of our heart. So again, first part is faith. We need to have faith. And then the desires of our heart. I think we all have similar desires. uh, Meaning, self-worth, identity, value. These are things that we all wrestle with. What's the meaning of my life? What is my identity? What is my worth? What is my value? We all wrestle with these things. What if God spoke to you about these things on a regular basis? Would that be cool? I think it would be cool. I want him to speak to me about the meaning of my life. I mean, maybe some of you think that my life, I never question any of that, but I certainly question that. I'm like, God, what's going on in my life? What is my value? Psalm 37, verses three and four. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the des- your heart's desires. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Descriptive or descriptive? Prescriptive. We are meant to take delight in the Lord. And he, right? He is meant to give us our heart's desires. It's not a one-way street. I am meant to take delight in him, and he is meant to give me my heart's desires. Trust in the Lord, have faith in him, and he will give you all the desires of your heart, right? Which does not necessarily, you have to, he will help you to change the desires of your heart so they're healthier. Um, We're praying to a good God who is head over and heels in love with us. When we take delight in Him, we have to understand that He is head over heels in love with us. And that our relationship with Him is about love and acceptance. And we don't have to try to be good enough. In our relationship with God, who, whose job is it to be good enough? That's Jesus's job. Jesus is good enough. And if I'm in Jesus, then I am good enough. I'm accepted. I'm a new creation in Christ. I can come before the throne boldly. I can know and be known by God in an intimate way. And it's not something you can earn. By faith, I give God my heart, and He gives me what I most desire. My job is to take delight in the Lord. That's my job. I delight in him. And then I get my heart's desires. What if you knew that you were truly loved? Loved as you are. I mean, and this is real too, right? Like, what if you knew that you were truly loved? Loved as you are, not as you should be, Not as you ought to be, or not as you could be. Because I think for us, we're always thinking like, well, I'd be more lovable if I was who I wanted to be, if I was who I ought to be, or if I was who I could be. Not necessarily who I am, because I know all of my flaws. And so we put these things on us, but what if we knew that we were completely loved? What if you felt valued every day of your life, had meaning, Again, you are praying to a good God who is head over heels in love with you. What would you like to hear from Him? There was a um, a Catholic girl. Her name was uh, Catherine of the City of Siena. She's now a saint. She was supposed to be this real small gal, and Saint Catherine, and I don't know all of the history like perfectly, was meant to. She had like visions. And so she had this, what she would describe as having a mystical marriage with Jesus. And I, I take that to mean that she was just really committed to Jesus in a very devout way. And again, she was very small in stature, but she knew that she was loved in such a way that there was something that happened with the Pope. And she actually went all the way to Rome and she took the Pope on. She actually spoke to him in person and advocated for this. Something I forget what it was, but she just knew that she was loved. She knew that she was valued. She knew that her life had meaning because she was in Christ, right? So there is nothing we can desire or want that we do not find in God. And in many ways, I think we, well, I'll speak for myself. We try and find other things outside of God, but we are created for him and in him. And so our desires are found in him. So we've been doing the questions for Jesus. Again, this idea of like, does God speak? Well, the New Testament would certainly say that Jesus speaks still to this day. It's actually a normal experience for us to be able to expect that God would speak to us. How do we do it? With faith. And then God will speak to our desires. So we're just going to ask a simple question of Jesus. We've been doing this exercise for a while now, questions for Jesus. We just ask him a very simple question. And then the first thing that comes to your mind or something that you feel like it is that Jesus is speaking to you, then you just sit with that. And then we're going to share that with someone that is uh, sitting uh, sitting around us. If you don't want to participate, you don't have to. Um, But here's the question. Jesus how much do you love me? We're just going to sit with that. Just ask him that and sit with it for a little bit. And then we're going to discuss it with someone next to us. All right. Well, if you're willing, why don't you share what it is that you heard with someone who's next to you? And we're just going to take like a minute at most and talk about that for just a moment. So if you'd like to do that, you can. Say. Mm. Amen. Amen, man. Awesome. That's cool, huh? All right, guys, couple, about 20 more seconds. All right, we're going we're gonna to do communion. We're going to take communion together. <laughs> communion was uh, this is the sign of the covenant that the bread and the wine... That the bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for us and the wine represents his blood that was poured out for our sins. So if you are a follower of Christ or if you would like to start following Jesus today, then the communion table is open to you. The way that we do it is if you want to take communion, you come down the center aisle here and then you take a piece of the cracker, you dip it into the wine and then you go around the sides like this so everyone can kind of Flow nicely. We hold on to the elements together and then we'll all take it together. So if you would like to take communion, please come on down. (sighs) Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for coming down and living amongst us, speaking amongst us, dying for us, and for the resurrection. We thank you that we are in you and you are in us. Let's partake. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over us. But if you did want prayer for anything afterwards, please come on up. Love to pray for you if you want to hear the voice of the Lord more, if you need healing for anything, whatever it is, love to pray for you. Uh, Well, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you to be able to gather as your church. We thank you for the fellowship of brothers and sisters to be able to journey with. We do ask that you would open our eyes to the things that you're doing in our lives. Help us to see you more. Help us to recognize your voice. Increase our faith, Lord. Help us to be able to give you our desires that we would take delight in you and that you would take delight in us. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.